Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. For most of the United States, Thanksgiving is a time to get together with family and friends, relax and unwind as we celebrate the passing year and all that we have to be grateful for. It remains one of my favorite traditions, a new addition to our family that is a first generation immigrant to this country. In fact, when we first arrived, we had no idea what this holiday was, even that it was a holiday. Our first celebration was something of a bust, a regular day that I drove to work, wondering why there was no traffic making the drive from Connecticut to the Upper East Side of Manhattan in record time. Parking was a breeze, too. When I arrived at the hospital, Mount Sinai in New York, there was some staff around, but it was a skeleton crew, and I quickly discovered this was an official holiday, and I drove back home to let the family know. But for radiologists in the United States, and anyone working in that sector, Thanksgiving oftentimes finds them away from home, attending one of the largest gatherings in radiology in the world, RSNA, or the Radiological Society of North America. It's always the same time each year, immediately following Thanksgiving, and puts a strain on flights, hotels, and infrastructure for Chicago every year. It is world-renowned as a meeting place and an opportunity to get the latest and greatest updates in radiology from science and technology. The halls at McCormick Center are lit up with amazing displays of innovation and technical progress as the vendors in the space show off their latest developments. Like all these types of events, it's full of glitz and glamour designed to attract interest and attention. The progress is amazing, but can come at a steep cost with some eye-watering prices for the latest in imaging technology. The pandemic had an impact, limiting the show and attendees during the peaks of the pandemic. And like many of these events, people are thronging back, glad to attend and reconnect with old friends and colleagues. But attendance is now coming in the shadow of the pandemic experience that shone a spotlight on our system that's failing so many and in some fundamentally inequitable ways. In the context of these challenges, attendees are questioning the value of these advancements and if the investment is worthwhile. Is the juice worth the squeeze, as some would say? This is especially true for many coming to this event from poorer, less well-served communities with limited resources and a very small checkbook, if one at all. Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Professor Richard Dusak. He's the professor and chair in the Department of Radiology at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Hi, Rich. Welcome to the show. 
Nick, thanks for having me here. It's great to uh, reconnect. I'm looking forward to it. So you've uh, recently moved uh, to a new role, new opportunity, and just come back from RSNA, which is, you know, one of the primary um, radiological shows where we see the latest and greatest innovations. But one of the things that sort of strikes me about that is that, well, that's all well and good, but how does that reconcile with the environment that you live in, which I think struggles a little bit with service, right? Absolutely. So, you know, just a little context um, for that, Nick, is I've gone through a little bit of a um, somewhat, um, some people would say um, diverse career, some people would say um, serpentine career, but spent my first 18 years in private practice, um, you know, and, and in those roles have served um, sort of smaller cities, but also areas where um, there's been a regional rural underserved population as well. Um, spent the last nine years before coming here at Emory University, one of the biggest um, radiology departments in the country, um, lots of of high tech. I mean, we pretty much had the, the new sexy whatever it is. Um, and now chair of the department at, you know, the, the only academic medical center primary safety net hospital in the poorest state in the country, the one with the shortest life expectancy in the whole country. And so as I was at RCNA this year, um, to your question, you know, really reflecting upon how my, uh, perspectives of that meeting, what I was looking for, what I was prioritizing have changed a lot over time. And, um, you know, particularly at a high powered academic place at Emory, you know, I was there for a lot of the science. I was there to look at the new sexy, whatever it is machine. Um, and now, you know, I'm in a department where um, our backlog to get in for things like CT for PET is about four weeks. Um, you know, we are um, very, very capital constrained in this environment. Um, and so it was really a fascinating visit for me from a point of view of my conversations, particularly with the vendors, but also with colleagues elsewhere, that people at RSNA, like a lot of cutting edge meetings are always talking about, you know, really pushing the envelope. Let's take a scanner that's got 92% specificity or sensitivity, and let's push it to 94%. Look, this is so much better. And of course, when you ask the vendor, well, well you know, ballpark what's the price as well, you know, the current one's about $2 million. The new one's going to be about $3 million, but aren't those extra lives worth it? Um, and, and the piece here where I'm now looking at this is like $3 million is a huge, huge ticket for a center. And if I could get just three plain old sort of Ford Explorer non-Maserati scanners um, for a million dollars each. That would be so many Mississippians who don't have access to imaging that I'd be able to serve. So um, my perspective, and I'm still trying to synthesize my role here and the needs of this state, um, was very different than any time I've um, been at that meeting. Um, and I think for me, it was really my um, wake-up call from a point of view of now, you know, I'm living living um, healthcare inequities and disparities and need to figure out how to be part of the solution um, rather than part of the problem. So uh, you, you talk about the, the waiting time, you know, I mean, that's essentially one of the rationing components of care, whether it's in a, a pay or fee for service type uh, experience. It's also true in the NHS, which is the original system that I came from. I just had um, discussions with friends in that system and that's exactly what's going on they have rationing of care which is their methodology to sort of 
uh, deliver care within the boundaries of the economic uh, uh, availability. You're saying you, you've got this wait time. Is it just about the technology? What about the people? Do you have enough radiologists? I mean, it's not just one thing in this particular instance. What's contributing to that inability to deliver sufficient resources to satisfy the population that you've got? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Nick. This is um, not entirely a capital piece, although that was, you know, the 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 piece that's in your face there at RSNA. It really is um, multifactorial. Is that you know when you are in the poorest state, you know we like a lot of other more rural areas will have a lot of brain drain. A lot of our graduates, a lot of whether they're medical or non-medical, will leave to go to greener pastures elsewhere. Um, you know, we've had to um, train a lot of our own people. So a lot of the efforts are, you know, do we have enough technologists? Um, how um, separately, you know, working with our rad tech program here, how do we start building the farm team here so that we have a pipeline? Um, and additionally for radiologists as well, how do I as the department chair make this job as attractive as possible? How do I work with our leadership to make our salaries as competitive? And also, um, you know, get people to, at least take a look. I mean, we we love, my wife and I love living in the Jackson suburbs. It's it's one of the nicest places we live. But I think the knee-jerk um, reaction, whether you pick Mississippi, you pick, you know, one of the so-called flyover states, you pick West Virginia is, you know, oh, it's a bunch of people with no teeth and no shoes. And, you know, yes, there is a lot of poverty, but there also are some really great communities. And so um, one of the challenges is to, you know, get people to see the potential that we have here. Um, and it really is hard because it's multifactorial. The capital, as you indicate, will not solve it. The scanners, at least um, until AI gets off a little bit better, you know, will not scan the patients themselves. We need the radiologists to interpret the, the images. So it, it is a bunch of pieces. And I think it is really the cycle of being in, you know, a really rural area, which is about 15% of the U.S. population and a lot of our geographic landmass. So as you think about this, you know, obviously you're fresh back from RSNA. It sounds like e even though you've had this serpentine career um, that's navigated to this, you know, poor estate, um, struggling to deliver the healthcare that the people need, what was the response from the people that you were interacting with? Did they have answers? Did they have um, actual thoughts around how this might be approached, because ultimately this is all of our problem. You know, we can't all continue on on this trajectory. It, it was fascinating, you know, wandering through, um, and probably the first time you and I met 15 or more years ago was in one of those random booths there when you were working with, you know, one of your former lives. Um, I think the standard answer from the more salespeople is, you know, when you ask the question of, do you have something cheaper? It, it was sort of this look of, what are you talking about? People don't come to RSNA to ask those questions. Um, you know, they they're they're in the Maserati, the Porsche showroom here. And you're asking for a Ford F-150 pickup here or a Ford Explorer utility vehicle here. Um, so I think that was the most common piece there. Um, although, you know, I did participate in a couple panel discussions talking about access. And I think the the overall um 
milieu, if it will, of understanding of disparities, the awareness um, has has raised a lot um, over, you know, certainly the 30 years of my career in radiology. I think people are aware that there are disparities. I think the traditional knee-jerk reaction is a lot of those are, you know, much more along racial, ethnic lines, um, reminding people about rural, and, you know, we've got a convergence of a number of them here. Um, is out there. So I think there is an awareness of aha. Um, I, I must admit, and I won't call out um, because it, it, you know, hopefully other folks will come on board, but had some really great discussions with um, some leadership of one of the big vendors um, that heard some of my comments and said, you know, we're involved in a lot of global health initiatives. And a lot of the things that we're talking about doing in underserved countries, we probably need to be thinking about, you know, doing domestically here. So I'm trying to work with one of them to arrange for a site visit to just, you know, rethink their business model, um, because I think for a diversified portfolio for the big um, for-profits is, you know, they're they're not going to sell the $3 million, whatever it is in a lot of places, um, but they may sell multiple smaller ones and be able to, um, you know, expand their portfolio of services. So overall, um, it was a quite mixed reaction. But, um, you know, I look at when you move to a place like this and you say, I want to bring about change, you know, this, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah, so I, I think it's it's heartening to hear that there was at least some positive response. Obviously, no surprise to hear there's pushback. You know, this is what we're selling. You should be excited about this. Um, you know, this is the gizmo uh, experience. People want to sort of show off their best. But ultimately, what you're experiencing is not unique, I don't think, to Mississippi. I think it's relatively widespread and you know you described some other states but i think it's it's broader than that there's certainly some focuses of places that have experience and you know have money resources lots of people but the rural community is the focal point in many instances and the struggle is real when you think about that from your perspective you've landed in this you you've moved you're you're living it each and every day how do you get up every morning and what do you think about what is your sort of focal point to say how do i solve this cuz this must be a huge pressure on you it, it certainly is and you know i'm i'm really um privileged to be part of a really great leadership team here at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And, and, you know, certainly there's great leadership teams elsewhere where this really is our core mission. I mean, it is our vision to say, you know, how do we improve the lives of Mississippians? And so um, I, I think the, the you know, a few pieces of um, a, a advice, and I remember when I was in the final stages of being recruited here, um, our Dean and Vice Chancellor, Dr. Luann Woodward, who's been just a great supporter, said one of the hardest things you will have to do at a place like this is decide what to say no to because there are so many demands placed upon us. So it really is prioritizing. It's, you know, it, it is, I quote a lot of times in meetings, the, the you know, the aphorism of, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, how can we be creative about solutions? And so even some of the things when, you know, going back some 20 years when I was president of a private group where, you know, some of my fiduciary responsibility back to the group was, how do we maximize our profits? How do we improve our efficiency? 
a lot of those same tools, um, you know, I'm going back and trying to use those, not so much from a point of view of a for-profit practice, but from a point of view of how do we expand access. So um, it's, it's you know, it's it's really trying to cherish the, the baby steps every day. I mean, I think if you keep looking at sort of the, the, the Grand Canyon we need to cross, um, it's daunting and it's frustrating, um, and, and celebrate the little wins. You know, we improve the efficiency of this protocol, and guess what? We can get one additional MR patient into each of our nine scanners every day. You know, that's 50 million. Mississippians a week that are getting an MR that um, they weren't getting before. So I think a lot of it is just having the positive attitude that we will get there. We're not going to fix this overnight. Um, but um, yeah, I, 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 I do keep the blinders on a little bit because I think if I focus too much on the big picture, it probably will depress me. Yeah, I, I think that's fair comment. And, you know, over the course of time that I've known you and, you know, many radiologists, You've always been, in my mind, at the bleeding edge in terms of technology. It's that innovation, you know, we've improved things, you know, as I look back over the technology and where we've gotten to, that's obviously contributed, I think, to improvements in healthcare. You're thinking about this slightly differently, but you did sort of intimate that there's components of this that might help because it's a resource issue. Is the technology that you see that's going to help or is that really sort of a minor player in your view now? Yeah, I, I think a lot of this is, you know, invoking that R word that you use, the rationing. And while, you know, nobody says they want to ration, the reality is if there is not thoughtful, policy-oriented rationing, the, the market will ration in ways that we don't like um, and only enhance um, disparities um, that are out there. So, you know, I think there's got to be an awareness of that. Um, you know, I came in, I graduated medical school in 1989 and has watched radiology, as you said, being at the bleeding edge. And, you know, one of the reasons that I'm so excited about, you know, when I meet with medical students who are interested in radiology has just been telling them about that amazing journey that we've just pushed technology. I mean, we in radiology have changed the way that medicine is practiced in the United States. And certainly a lot of other specialties have done that as well. Um, but I, I think we need to, to pivot our perspectives. I mean, I think, you know, that historically the, um, the question has been, you know, can we do this? And the reality is, Sure, we can do it. We can, you know, increase the number, you know, the speed of our scanners, our computer processing, our artificial intelligence, our integration. But I think we need to have some really hard conversations about should we be doing these things? You know, what is the best use of these resources that are out there? And, you know, by pushing the technological envelope too fast, and I certainly want to make it clear, I'm not anti-technology, I'm not anti-progress, but I think this has got to be balanced, it's got to be thoughtful, because in a resource-constrained world in which, you know, a lot of this is a zero-sum game, to, to improve the, the quality of the scanning or the imaging that you or I as physicians with resources may be able to get because of our privilege, you know, that comes at a cost of some other people not being able to get to it. And, you know, what what, what is good enough? And so I think those are the questions that we as physicians have traditionally not um, been trained, educated, um, or 
has to, to think about, um, nor has it been a priority for us. I think a lot of people are like, your job as a physician is to look after your individual patient. And in the short term, yes, but in the reality, that's just not a sustainable model for us if we really say there's lots of people in our population who need care. So I, I think important points, you know, uh, within all of that, that go back to the issue of how we allocate our time and resource time being the most valuable component of all of this and you know obviously you're in this setting that is a struggle to attract people i think radiology did a pretty good job of the remote working has that been a contributor in terms of helping you uh to fulfill the the needs of your population a uh, remote has been something that we definitely are embracing here. I mean, I've seen, you know, remote in radiology um, being a huge um, asset and attribute and being able to help us as a um, national workforce be much more nimble. Um, that being said, I've seen the push to um, being remote, however, having a lot of downsides because it's, you know, I can sit in my basement in my pajamas and um, interpret scans, um, but there's never the conversation, you know, the the real-time interaction with the technologist, the real-time interaction with the um, referring physician, the participation in tumor boards, and yes, you can do a lot of that virtually, but it doesn't have the richness, it doesn't have the um, collaborative um, catalytic ability of doing those things in person. Um, certainly from a point of view of us being market competitive to be able to recruit, um, you know, we are allowing most of our um, physicians to work from home about a day a week. Our overnight folks are pretty, essentially working from home completely. We're even exploring some models um, for non-physicians as well, talking with some of the vendors about, you know, uh, remote control, if you will, of scanners that we may not, we may be able to put some of our most experienced people in sort of a, you know, control room and have um, newer people on the front lines, um, you know, doing some of the scanning, but have immediate backup um, to jump in, you know, we're exploring such a model for some of our medical physics and things like that as well. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these conversations get into even, you know, our meetings with our telehealth group here, which is one of the biggest um, in the country, from a point of view of can we expand telehealth beyond simply physician services and start looking at, you know, is there a way that we can put a rad tech right out of school into a very rural hospital to get the patient on and off of the scanner, but yet have an experienced CT tech here, essentially running that scanner at the higher level um, there. So um, again, I think it's some of the necessity, um, you know, begets um, innovation piece, but um, I think there's a lot of opportunities in remote, but, um, you know, you've got to work through the infrastructure, you've got to have the vision, and um, you've got to have the IT support to do it. Yeah, so I, I, within all of that, I think celebrating the, the small successes, the improvement, you know, focusing down, um, important, relevant uh, issue there is, you know, what is good enough in the circumstances, you know, with the available resources that you've clearly done. I think tremendous opportunity with technology that can improve, but not at the cost of reducing services that I think you're finding a constant balance. Obviously, a huge task ahead of you. Um, tremendous amount of respect and, you know, very grateful for you sharing some of those insights. Um, Rich, thanks for joining me today. 
Nick, it's um, been great reconnecting. And um, yeah, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to um, uh, tell our story and, um, and just uh, get it out there. Investment decisions are difficult. And no matter what facility or role you work in, resources are limited. We need to expand access and serve the whole population equally. As you heard Rich say, we have to have hard conversations and ask ourselves and our colleagues, should we be doing these things? Is that the best use of the limited resources we have in our resource-constrained world? Is that the next best use of the available dollar in our wallet? Your better pill to swallow is to learn to say no, no to projects, no to investments, no to anything that is not serving the patient in the delivery of fair, equitable and compassionate healthcare. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com slash HUD for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HC Upside Down. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone. Thank you.